Well, go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to... There you go. All right. While you're turning to John, I just want to throw this announcement. Third and fourth graders, stay where you're at. There is no class today. All right. I love that. Usually people are like, ah, oh, I can't wait to get out of the church. No. So you're turning to the book of John while you're doing that. Um, thank you to all our Vacation Bible School volunteers and helpers. You did a fantastic, fantastic job, and thank you so much. Uh, it, it was fun coming in and seeing the decorations on the stage. You saw some of it last week. Uh, maybe in the video you saw clips of it. But um, with the lights and um, the sound effects, they had it almost felt like Rainforest Cafe going on in here for a little while. And it definitely was wild. Uh, but thank you to everybody that volunteered. Really appreciate it. Well, let me ask you a question, okay? And I'm, I'm, this is going to be the awkward time on the, on the podcast where it gets silent, okay? Uh, because you're going to be talking, okay? Yes, I'm giving you permission for the next 30 seconds in church to talk, okay? This is what I want you to do. I want you to think of something that's really easy for you. Like, oh, that is so easy. I can do it just like that. And then something that is really hard for you. Something like, I don't know if I could ever do that, okay? Something easy, something hard. Everybody got that? You got two things. Now I want you to share that with a couple people around you. Ready? All right. Everybody got it down? It's really easy, really hard, right? All right. Now, here's the thing. What you probably discovered is that maybe is that something that was very easy for you actually might have been hard for somebody else sitting next to you. And something that was hard for you might have been easy for somebody sitting next to you as well. They'd be like, oh, that's easy. I don't know. I could never do it. Oh, I could do it. Oh, I could never do it. You know what I'm saying? That might have happened with some of you. Now, I would say... Take this home with you and some friends next time you're hanging out with other. Just sort of roll with this same kind of scenario with each other, okay? Why are you doing that? Because you're going to find out, according to the situation and who you are and what's going on, it may be easier for some but harder for others just depending on it. For example, if I give you, uh, let's say I pull out a fourth grade math question, fourth grade math question, and I give it to a second grader, that second grader is like, uh, I don't know, this is hard. Give it to a sixth grader, and a sixth grader is like, easy peasy, right? Going to a store, top shelf, get something off top shelf. For a toddler, that is hard, right? But for a college basketball player, boom, I level, I got it for you, right? So depending on the circumstance, who you are and what's going on, it might be easy, it might be hard. You follow me so far? With that being said, let me ask you about your faith. Let me ask you about Christianity. Is it easy or is it hard? See, some of you probably have varying answers. So let me give you my answer. Is it easy or is it hard? It is. Yes. Yes, it is. It's, it's easy and hard. Um, and I'll explain why as we go through today's scripture. So open up your Bibles to the book of John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We'll start in verse 14. Now in the book of John... We've been learning that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Remember, John's got um, his purpose for why he writes this. One, he wants you to know Jesus is the Son of God. He wants you to believe in Jesus, and he wants you to bear witness to who Jesus is. Okay? So through Jesus Christ, we learn so much about who God is because Jesus is God. We want to believe that. We want to bear witness to it. And we just learned last week that Jesus can do the incredible, right? Feeding over 5,000 people in a miraculous uh, story and situation. Um, but after this great miracle, you're starting to wonder if the people are starting to figure out that Jesus is the Son of God, which is what John is hoping that we get, right? But I don't think they are. 
If you look at verse 14, it says this. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the what? Prophet, right? Not son of God. Surely he's the prophet we've been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Now, here's the thing. He is the prophet, the one they've been expecting, right? That's what they're saying. But why would they be saying that? See, he's the son of God, not exactly the prophet. But maybe, maybe they're thinking back to what Moses said in the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, it says this. Moses continued, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Moses is saying, hey, God's going to raise up this great prophet. You need to listen to him. So maybe these Israelites, maybe these people are saying, that's who we're talking about. He's a great prophet. I mean, Moses fed all these people. Jesus just fed all of us. Moses led all these people out of Egypt and out of slavery. Maybe Jesus is going to free us from, from what we're going on in our world today, this political mess and so forth. And, but they were looking for more of a celebrity and a prophet than they were a savior. And that's who Jesus Christ is. Jesus is God. He is a savior. And Jesus knew that a kingdom ruled by himself would not be given to him by the people. He knew that his becoming a king would come through the way of a cross given to him by his father. Before Jesus would be the reigning lion of Judah, he would first have to become the lamb of God who bears the sins of the world. And it would not be these people who would crown him, but it would be God who would crown him. The people were misunderstanding who Jesus was, is what we're learning here. And this is so opposite of today's rulers, isn't it? Think of the people today in leadership, whether, um, whether it be in business or politics or wherever it may be. People are seeking popularity. I want popularity in the polls. I will pander to the people to gain their favor and promise the unfulfillable to gain your favor. So you will vote for me. So you will like me. So you will put me in position of leadership I just want to be popular. I want all the likes. I want all the yeses, right? And once we gain everybody's favor, then we are put into position of rulership. That was never a thing with Jesus. Jesus didn't come here seeking a popularity contest to win. He didn't seek the favor of others. Jesus came and he did the opposite. Instead of taking from people, he gave. He loved. He showed compassion. He healed. He helped. Jesus recognizes their reaction for them to want to make him a king. And he's like, these people got it all wrong. Um, exit stage left, right? He's like, let's, let's get out of here. So he slips away. So as we look in the scripture, look at verse 16. What we're going to find out in verse 16, John records, it says, That evening, Jesus, his disciples, went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell... And Jesus still hadn't come. They got in the boat and they headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Now we can look at Matthew and Mark, which also record this story. Again, they're coming from a different angle. John wants us to know. Jesus is God. Believe on him. Bear witness to him. Matthew, Mark, Luke, when they write about Jesus, they have different purposes. In uh, Matthew, it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat. Mark said, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat. Both Matthew and Mark record that as soon as they got done feeding that 5,000, immediately after this, Jesus said, why don't you guys get back in the boat? I see what's going on here with these people. It's time to dismiss the crowd, let them go home. 
You guys get in the boat. I'll be there in a second. So there it goes. Where did he go? What did he do? While his disciples got into the boat, remember, again, who is Jesus? He is God. We're going to learn what he needs to do, though, in this moment. The other disciples, like I said, give more details, sort of fill in the blank. But here's what he did. Jesus went up to the mountainside to get alone with God. Need a little prayer time with his heavenly father. This is a very important point because, again, remember, he is humanity and divinity in one. So in his humanity, he seeks time with his heavenly father, with the divinity. An amazing thing. Jesus took time to pray. Now, let me ask you this. If Jesus takes time to pray, don't you think we need to take time to pray? If it's that important to Jesus to get alone with God, shouldn't we get alone with God? Here's the thing. Mankind is prone to wander, aren't we? And, and to go our own way, to run off and do our own thing. There's a great parable in the book of Luke called the prodigal son. Father has two boys, and the one, the youngest, is like, hey, Dad, I want my inheritance now. I know I'm, I'm supposed to wait till you die, but can I have it now? So the father is very gracious and gives him his inheritance. He takes the money, goes off to a faraway land, spends it on wild living, women, booze, uh, food, partying, everything he can think of. He just spends it all, right? And then he hits rock bottom. Wandered off from his father, from his family, rock bottom. Now he's like feeding pigs, and he's looking at the pig food saying, this even looks good to eat. Then he comes to his senses. You know what? If I just ask for forgiveness of my father, he'll let me come back home and be a servant. Wait, not in the home? See, his, his mentality was he had the wrong identity, right? See, he's the son, but he thought less of himself because he messed up in life. I'm only good enough to be a servant. Don't we often do that? God can't forgive me for what I've done. We sort of put ourselves in the servant's quarters. But when he gets home, he finds out that the love of the Father says, no, you're not a servant, you're my son. Understand your identity. I'm going to give you a robe, a ring. I'm going to give you sandals. Sandals, by the way, means you're part of a family. Without sandals, you're a servant. You walk around barefoot. You are not a servant. He welcomes them in and they have a feast, which means now we're going to fellowship together. The love of the Father was shown to this wandering wayward son. A lot of us tend to wander from God and do our own thing. And what we need to just do is like the prodigal son is we need to get back and spend some time with God. We need to come home and spend time alone with God. Because when we do, he restores that relationship that's broken between us and him. He rejuvenates, refreshes us, helps us refocus on where we need to be going in our life. Time alone with God is necessary. And like I said before, if Jesus got alone with God... Shouldn't we? When is your alone time with God? If you can't tell me right off the top of your head, you probably don't have one. Uh, it's when. Uh, that should be your most important scheduled appointment every day. Your time alone with God. If you don't have one, why not? Sometimes I feel like, I can't believe how much I struggle. I'm always angry. I'm so frustrated. I'm so anxious. I, I struggle with this. I struggle with that. And it's like, do you spend any time with God? Not really. Can I help you out here? You're disconnected from the vine. When you're disconnected from the vine, you're going to shrivel up and die. You need to be connected to the vine. You need to be connected to God. You need alone time with God. Get connected with him. Spend some time with him. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, look no man in the face till you've seen the face of God. Speak with no one till you have spoken with the Most High. Take 
not to running till you have in prayer laid aside every weight lest you lose the race. We cannot, we must not think of entering upon a day or upon an enterprise without our God. Let us attempt nothing without him. Well said, Charles Spurgeon, well said. Before you decide to have a meeting with somebody, before you try to make a major decision, before you enter the day, enter it with God first. Spend time alone with God. Next thing we, as we look into this, look at John chapter 6, verse 18. Verse 18, it says, Soon a gale swept upon them, and the sea grew very rough. Matthew and Mark both say the disciples were in trouble far away from the land. A strong wind had arisen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Mark says, late that night, the disciples were in a boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. I love how Mark put it. Jesus is up on the mountain, and disciples are alone. I mean, he clearly marks out the difference of what's going on here, the distance between the two, and here's the disciples in trouble. They're in trouble. Expect trouble to show up, church. It does, right? They're in the middle of the lake nowhere from safety and shore. They're three miles across. It's a six-mile lake, so they're right in the middle. They're a long way from safety, a long way from the shore. And that strong wind comes up and just smacks them in the face. They're trying to go one direction, but the wind's blowing another, which is causing great waves. And they're doing everything they can to go, but they're not going anywhere. Now, keep in mind, it was just a few days earlier, maybe a week or less. We don't have the exact time, but they were in a boat with a storm. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. And Jesus was what? He was sleeping, right? When that storm came and they woke up, Jesus like, don't you care? And we talked about how Jesus does care. And now, Jesus is not in the boat with them. They're in the middle of the lake. It's a different kind of storm. It's a windstorm, great waves, keeping them from going where they need to go. And Jesus is not with them this time. I think it's important to see that. I mean, here they, they are in the midst of this, and they tried all they could. And they were going nowhere. They, they did everything they could, every effort, and it just seemed useless. You ever feel that way? You got storm in your life, trouble in your life, opposition in your life. You've tried everything and it's like, what, what does it matter? I'm, I'm going nowhere with this. I've tried and I've tried, I've tried. Here's the thing. Troubles will come and they will come unexpectedly. And as Christians, we need to be ready for that. Do you ever have a moment when somebody shows up to your house unexpectedly? You're like, ooh, I'm not, you know, maybe dressed properly or the house is a mess or they show up, hey, here for supper. Oh, extra plates, food. We've got to come up with that right now, right? It, it happens, doesn't it? Has anybody ever seen the show Everybody Loves Raymond? You ever seen that show? Okay, if you've never seen that show, it's an old sitcom. Um, I love watching that show because it, it does great for marriage counseling. Because what I do is I tell a lot of married couples, watch that show, and whatever Raymond does, do the opposite, and you will have a great marriage, okay? He tends to get himself in a lot of trouble with his wife. And uh, there are moments when his, uh, his parents who live across the street cause a lot of the problems. And they would always unexpectedly come over and drop in. And that's what I'm talking about. For him, it's like, it's just unexpected, right? We are not told in advance when things are going to, bad are going to happen, are we? I, I don't know about you, but I have no idea what, what's going to come next week. What kind of battles are going to come this week? You know, we, we don't have anybody that locks, like, comes up to your door and knocks. And like, hi, I just want to introduce myself. Uh, I am Ralph. 
Robert, sorry, Ralph. I, I used that name first service, and I was going to use the second service, and here you are, but it's not that Ralph, okay? So Ralph, Ralph the robber walks up to your door and opens up, he introduces himself, and he says, hey, I'm Ralph the robber, and uh, I just want to let you know that I'm going to be coming by Thursday, and I'm going to break into your house when you're gone. So I just want to let you know, be prepared, so when you come home uh, this weekend and you discover everything's gone, it was me. I just thought I'd tell you that, okay? Doesn't happen, does it? See, thieves break in unexpectedly. I don't think anybody's ever gotten a letter like open up like, um, let's see, on Thursday I'm going to come by and I'm going to beat you up and you're going to end up in the hospital. Oh, okay, thanks. No, that doesn't happen. We are attacked sometimes unexpectedly, right? But here's the thing. We don't see it coming. Just like these disciples, they're in the boat, right? They didn't see it coming. But you know who saw it coming? Let's give the Sunday school answer on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus or God, either one would work because they're the same, right? Okay, good. Yeah. It was no surprise to him. God sees it before we ever do. He knows about it before we ever do. Matter of fact, we are warned in the, in the Bible, we're told James, the brother of Jesus, said this. Dear brothers and sisters, when, do you see that keyword? Not if. When troubles come your way, and they will, consider an opportunity for great joy. Oh, I'm supposed to be excited about it? No, no, no. When it comes, that's good. you're going to find an opportunity in the midst of storms to find the joy of the Lord. Okay? Another sermon, another time. But here's the thing. Troubles come physically, spiritually. They come in all kinds of ways, right? And, and Jesus sees it. The book of Mark says this, uh, verse 48. He saw, that's Jesus, while he's up on the mountain, he saw there in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. Three miles out on the lake, Jesus is up on the mountain, and he sees they're struggling. If you're sitting here right now and it's like, I got some issues going on, I got some troubles, I got some opposition hitting me right now, here's the thing. God sees it. I know what you're thinking next. Like, why doesn't he do something about it, right? That's probably coming on. We'll get there, okay. He saw the struggles and they were struggling. Where's their faith in this moment? What do you think is going on in their mind? Let's be real. He was here a week ago. He's not here now in the storm. They might be looking down. Those, those 12 baskets of leftover food that they just collected, they just got done eating. They might be getting a little seasick. They had full stomachs, right? And now they're getting tossed around. And maybe that food's getting tossed around that was in their baskets. And they maybe look down and they see that. Can they not flash back and think, he's so powerful to feed 5,000 strangers. How about us, his friends? Is he going to take care of us? Their faith, their faith might have been tossed around a little bit. Now remember, Jesus sent them to across the lake. Keep that in mind. He's like, hey, I want you guys to get in the boat, head across the lake. Now, did he know the storm was coming? He saw it, right? Did he know it's coming? Yeah. Why didn't he say, hey, why don't you guys wait about four hours, maybe five, and then go across? There's a big storm coming. He knew it was coming, but he still sent them across could it be that God allows troubles and trials into our life so that when it gets really bad down the road, you'll remain faithful? Because you've learned to be faithful through those first couple storms. So when that really big storm comes, you'll remain faithful to God. Could it be? It isn't so much I believe that Jesus sent them into the storm as I believe maybe he allowed them to face a storm. 
I really believe that. I believe Jesus is like, you know what? I need you guys to face this. I, I'm, I'm just going to allow it to happen. Don't worry. I see it. And I'll be with you. But you need to face a storm in your life. Parents, um, I, I want to challenge you with this, okay? Because I've gone through this, still going through it, okay? As a parent, I never want my kid to fail, right? Whether it's in sports, academics, and life, whatever it may be. Try to protect my kids from relationships or try to help them get that great grade or, man, they shouldn't be sitting the bench. They should be playing, right? Or I want them to win. I never want them to lose, right? So as a parent, I might do everything I can to prepare that path ahead of them so that my child can make it in life. But that's a problem. Because instead of preparing the path for our children, I should be preparing my child for the path. I've heard that quote said one time. I think it's important that we should prepare our children for the paths that are ahead, not try to prepare the paths for our children. Someday you won't be around to take care of your kids. Someday your kids might be off on their own, and you can't do anything to prepare that path for them, but you can't prepare them for that path. Maybe it's okay to let them fail on occasion so they know how to get back up. If you keep picking them up, they'll never know how to get back up, right? And I've learned that as a parent. I'm still learning that as a parent. I'm not perfect with this. It is something I'm working on. But I think in this moment, this is what maybe God is doing with us kids. And maybe what Jesus is doing with his disciples. You know what Jesus could have done? He could have said, you know what? Get in a boat, go across. And it could have been as smooth water as they've ever seen in their lives. And then Jesus could have gone and met up with them later and said, Hey, how was it? Jesus, that was the best boat ride ever. Wow. And you weren't with us. Instead, he allowed them to go across. Now, let's remember, rewind back a week. They were in the boat. He was with them. He showed them how to handle a storm. Now he's not in the boat. How are you guys going to do handling the storm? I think what's interesting in here is that it doesn't mention that the storm placed fear in their life. Read through the scriptures. And they were fearful of the storm. It never says that. The fear factor, fear is only mentioned when they saw Jesus walking on water. Nowhere does it mention that due to the storm they are scared. They've been there before. I think they're growing. I think they are enduring. I believe that they are growing in their faith and they're starting to handle things as they come along a little bit better because Jesus is allowing it to happen. I'm telling you, living for Jesus is hard at times. There is struggling. There is pain. And Jesus sees it and I believe he allows it. It's just like weightlifting. If you, if you want to get stronger, you actually got to pick up the weights. I've never seen anybody go to a gym and seen anybody stand in front of a mirror like all guys do when they go to a gym. They get in front of the mirror and they just stand there and they don't pick up any weights and they just sit there and go, oh, look at my arms flabby. <laughs> Stick up my gut. Yeah. They don't do that. When the guys get in front of the mirrors, what are they? They suck in their guts and they actually pick up weights. And they start lifting weights, exerting themselves, sweating. Why is that? Because to get stronger, you have to exert yourself. You have to sweat. You have to, your muscles actually come apart and re come back together strong. It's an amazing process. 
There's a little bit of tearing that goes on in the rebuilding process to make you stronger. That's part of what's going on here. If you want to get stronger, you have to go through a struggle. And John tells us in the middle of their struggles, in the middle of the lake, far from all that is safe, they see something, but they don't know what it is. Look at verse number 9. Verse 9, they rode three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the, the boat. They were terrified. They, they have no idea that it's Jesus. Remember, it's in the middle of the night. It's three in the morning. They're in the middle of the lake. What's the last thing you expect when you're in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere? last thing you expect is to see somebody walking on water towards you, right? They were scared. They had no idea it was Jesus. Here's the thing. In that moment, Jesus calls out and says, Don't be afraid. I'm here. Now, Matthew and um, Mark add in a take courage in between. But John relates to us these two key phrases. Why? I believe he starts off with that, don't be afraid. Because first of all, you need to recognize it's Jesus. Never be afraid of Jesus. Some of us are afraid of Jesus because he's going to ask us to do things we don't want to do, right? Do not fear what Jesus is going to ask you to do. He's got his best intentions for you. And sometimes when we aren't thinking clearly, when we're not focused on God, we miss something coming our way, and that's Jesus. Like the disciples getting their oars and their paddles and everything they do to Canada, fight the waves, fight the waves, fight the waves. They forget to look up and see who's going to help them in that moment. All of our screaming at each other, yelling at the storm, we miss the voice of Jesus calling out to us. And he says, don't be afraid. I'm here. It's me. Remember truth. Waves are temporary. Jesus is eternal. Okay? Hey, tweet that, tweet that one out. I don't care. Uh, but it's, it's, it's the truth, isn't it? Waves are temporary. Jesus is eternal. We forget that. Sometimes us, we feel like the waves and the storms are forever. No, they are temporary. But Jesus is the eternal one. He is the eternal one. That's why he says, I am here. He says, I'm right here. I saw you from a distance, and I'm coming to you now, because now's when you need me. You didn't need me a few hours ago, because here's the thing. If you wouldn't have had the struggle, you wouldn't have needed me. But now that you have a struggle, guess what? You discovered you actually have a need, and I'm your Savior. Psalm 139, 7 to 10 says this. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up into heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Why do we need to hear these kind of verses? We need to remember we are not alone. We have an eternal God who sees us where we're at. And he says, I'm coming to you and I'm reminding you, don't be afraid. See, all of us, all of us in here go through challenging times. All of us have moments when we're like, why, right? All of us face storms. It'd be nice to avoid those times, wouldn't it? But we can't. And the fun thing is, as a church, small groups, families, you've got each other. We've got each other. And we can share our prayer requests with each other. We can share our fears with each other. We can cry together. We can laugh together. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't want us to leave him out of that equation. As good as it is to have a church, a church without Jesus is not a good church. 
When you gather together here on Sundays, as, as I do, I pray that God's Spirit is here amongst us. Because, oh yeah, otherwise we're just a bunch of disciples in the boat without Jesus. And our world will get rocked. But it's so much better when he's in the boat with us, isn't it? After speaking, the nerves of the disciples, they probably begin to calm down. Matter of fact, um, Matthew records the story then of Peter saying, Hey, can I come out on the water with you? Now John doesn't record that part of the story. Matthew does. But after that story concludes there from Matthew, what we read in John is this. Then, look at verse 21 with me. Then they were eager to let him in the boat. And immediately they arrived at their destination. That is one of the most intriguing verses ever. They were eager to let him in the boat and immediately they arrived at their destination. As soon as they discovered this is Jesus, he is the eternal one, he is the powerful one, he's a wave walker, okay? Come on in. We're ready for you to come into our boat with us, Jesus. And then what happens? Storm stops and they're at their destination. Their destination, remember, was three miles away. So before Star Trek, there's Jesus, okay? All right? Before the fastest speedboat ever invented, there was Jesus. Somehow, three miles away, he steps in the boat and boom, they're there like, wow. Now, another amazing miracle, right? Here, here's, here's what I get out of this when I, when I think of this. When Jesus climbs into our life, a couple things happen. Just like in that boat, the wind stops, the storm ceases, right? And they arrive at their destination. I believe that Jesus not only helps us in our storms, but he also helps us get us where we're going. If God has called you and said, I want you to go into ministry. I want you to serve. I want you to teach. I want you to do this for me. Then he's going to help you get there. I don't believe he's ever going to ask you to do something that you can't do. And if you're sitting there saying, I can't do this. He goes, that's why I'm stepping into your life with you to help you get there. Because you're right, you can't alone. But with me, you can How did they respond? Well, Matthew and Mark say this, and the disciples worshipped him. And they said, you really are the Son of God. Mark says they were truly amazed. John doesn't say much besides the fact that the storm stopped and they got where they needed to be. There should be a response. When God acts, we respond. Living for Jesus is definitely challenging. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. As the worship team comes forward, I threw some bullet points up on the screen just to maybe like, okay, so out of this story, there's, there's so much. What do I walk away with? What do I take out of this? Here's what I want to say. Living for Jesus is easy and hard. Yes. Sometimes it's, it's hard. But it's not impossible. Sometimes it's, it's, it's easy, right? But in those moments when you find it difficult, get alone with God. If you don't have alone time with God already set up, make sure you schedule it. It's one of the most important things you ever do. Second thing is expect trouble to come your way. It's going to come. The storms will be there. They're, they just come in different shapes and sizes. And in the midst of that, understand this. God sees it. He sees you. He says, just keep on rowing. <laughs> Keep on enduring. Persevere. You got this. And he wants to climb in with you. He's with you. So fear not. And then worship him. Worship him. 
Whenever you make it through a storm, stop and praise God. God, thank you for that answered prayer. Thank you for helping me in that moment. Even if your storm is a simple, somebody's coming your way, you don't like them, and you're just like, oh, Lord, help me to keep my mouth shut so I don't say something negative to them. And they walk by, and you didn't say anything negative, that's worth a praise to God. God, thank you for sealing my mouth like the lions with Daniel, okay? I was afraid I was going to bite them, right? I was afraid I was going to say something. Ask God to help you in those small moments and big moments and praise him. Praise him when you see it. Let's just wrap it up with this. Um, let me say this. I love that he walked on the water. I, I love it that he stepped on the waves. Because in this story, it's the water that separated Jesus from his disciples. It's the waves that scared the disciples. It was a strong wind that pushed in. And what did Jesus do? He came walking on that water. He came walking on those waves. He says, that's the opposition. Let you not forget that I step on the opposition. That I am the victor. That I am the champion. That I am God above all things. And something as simple as nature that scares you, I step on. I'm above it. I love it that he walked on where I love it that he came across showing us his power and his strength. So what is it that's hitting you right now? What kind of storm? Understand this. Jesus Christ can walk on that. He can walk all over it. Because he is Jesus. The name above all names, the name that we just sung about, is more than a name we sing about. He is our Savior. Invite him into your life, just like the disciples invited him into the boat. Don't try to do this on your own. You might have some other people surrounding you right now that have been good friends, good counselors, good help. Invite Jesus into. He walks all over the opposition. Let him take care of those storms in your life. Would you stand, please? Let's pray, Heavenly Father. What an awesome God you are. God, I thank you for the moments that come in our life that remind us that you are God and we are not. And God, there's times when I do not like storms. I do not like opposition. I do not like attacks. But God, I realize that those moments make me stronger. But they make me stronger more so when I trust you in those moments because I know you see them. God, I know you're looking into the lives of everyone in this room right now. And you see what's going on. You know what kind of waves are slapping who in the face right now. You know what kind of wind is pushing back against some of my brothers and sisters in this room right now. And God, they're your children. And I know you love them you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for us so God you see us where we're at sometimes you allow us to go through these things to make us stronger but God I know there's a couple people in here right now that are saying I I feel strong enough please stop they're ready for a break they're ready for the winds to die down and the waves to, to be calm so God speak into their hearts right now let them know you are here with them Give them a peace beyond all understanding. Give them, Lord, the the understanding that you are here, even though there's times they don't feel like it. Let them sense your spirit at work in their heart right now. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, 
to save us from our sins, to walk on our opposition, to walk all over our opposition and to be victorious. God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for this moment to worship you. Let us sing to you now, Lord, because we love you. We want to praise you. We want to worship you like the disciples. In thy name we pray. Amen.